In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. Many, many years ago, an American kid packed her bags and took a junior year abroad. She never went back home. Fiona Passantino, who has made her home in The Hague, is a visual communication specialist and corporate storyteller. Working with some of the biggest multinationals to help them communicate and educate employees. Taking complex concepts and explaining them using imagery, animation and concise, powerful text. I have borrowed your words here, Fiona. She's lived all over Europe, London, Rome, Vienna, Amsterdam, Budapest and finally The Hague, where she's lived for the past 12 years with her family. What brought you to The Hague, Fiona? Well, what brought me to Holland was um, these long, tall Dutchmen that live here. We settled in Amsterdam first, and The Hague turned out to be a better place to raise kids. And um, that's why we're here. Now, you're a communication expert. Um, What are some of the challenges you've been faced with during COVID times? Well, COVID has a particular challenge in that the live context is over and we have to rapidly transform all of our communications, all of our workplaces into the digital context, into the digital realm. For some people, this is very natural and for others, it's impossible. Uh, A lot of people can only focus and listen when they see lips move. Um, A lot of people can only read a text if it's on paper and in a live environment. And for people, particularly younger people or communicators who are digital, uh, this is quite easy. And in fact, it's quite lovely to be more flexible. You're not bound to the space. Now, what are some of the solutions you found to these problems? Well, we're still figuring them out. There are no solutions off the top of our heads, but we are rebuilding our new office space, our new workplace. It's going to be a hybrid situation going forward. So we're not going to be bound by our life circumstances to have to find a babysitter here or have to set up a commuting track here. No, I think we're going to be able to design that ourselves. Um, As far as the communication around that uh, and this new world, we're going to have to be shorter, more concise. We have to be digital first. We have to be mobile first. We have to be aware that a lot of these communication platforms are going to be necessarily networked, which is in the Zoom or Teams environment, uh, and we have to retool. Now, in your handbook, and we'll come to that later, you talk about non-verbal understanding. Explain that one. Right. What I like to talk about is visual communication. About 90% of our communication in general is visual, and something like 85% of all the incoming material that's entering our brains is visual input and the rest is all the uh, abstract stuff like the text you have to read and so on. And visual communication is something we've been doing well before the invention of language. So before we were writing, even our earliest languages, we were drawing. And drawing and visuals are the natural language of the brain. We tend to fast track that information because it has a direct line with our emotions. So visuals are highly effective because they go straight in to your long-term memory. It's tagged with our emotions and we can fish it out of our long-term storage much easier than bits of text. For the past year, we've been isolated, disconnected and alone. 
Will our communications world ever be the same again? And what happens if you don't move along with all the new tools that are available? The communication will never be the same, and it will be essential to getting out of this mess, we can call it. Uh, we need each other. Uh, COVID has really taught us that humans have to have this emotional connection. How do we connect is via communication. We don't have these live town halls or meetings or tribal gatherings anymore right now. So we are reliant on our digital communication. And if we don't get really good at this and create this kind of emotional community that we've relied on in the past, we won't be able to get out of our bunkers. Our bunkers have limited our networks so that we're only talking to the same people that we already know. The COVID context has forced us to not meet new people randomly uh, with, with serendipitous you know, spontaneity. Uh, we can only really connect with people with whom we already have a connection. And this has limited us severely. So we're going to have to communicate in such a way that we can get access to people we don't already know. I'm going to ask the obvious question. How do you make new friends on the internet? That's I mean, besides the dating. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's I'm not the expert on that. So <laughs> that's your next uh, guest. Um, but that is a real uh, problem because we're so bombarded with long form communication uh, by people we don't know that we have to sift through it and we automatically sift out the people we don't know and we immediately latch on to communication from people that we do know or celebrities that we respect and follow. Uh, so how do we build meaningful one-to-one -one emotional communication from stranger to stranger? I, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I know that that's what we're going to have to yeah. learn. And of course, business is different to, to private. Um, business life has had to embrace all the digital communication tools. And I think privately, a lot of people are just holding their breath. Is that clever? Well, privately, you do see digital communication in the form of Tinder. It's replaced yes. the bars. Uh, and so people are using these platforms to pinpoint, you know, how do you make new friends? Well, that's one way. <laughs> and of course, kids are wizards. Yes. Well, they grew up in this uh, environment. So they don't have to change over their way of doing and thinking. They don't have to wonder about what a dial looks like or a button to push. They just know immediately you go touch screen and you manipulate a screen with fingers to get to what you need to go. We old folk have to retrain our brains. And that's why you've brought out a special handbook. At what stage did you sit down and think people need this? Well, uh, yes, this has been a long time in the making. About two years ago, I did something really crazy, which is I decided at almost 50 years old that I needed to go get a master's in business administration, um, which for a creative, that's a really crazy thing to do because you're poring over enormous statistics books and you're pondering why you need to rotate your variables uh, at two o'clock in the morning. And But what came out of it was uh, an experiment. I wanted to prove that communication in the workplace should not be long-form text-based, but animated. And so I set two bunches of um, colleagues to the test. One group was watching a training that was heavy text-based PowerPoint, and the other one got the same information in a cute little three-minute animation. And these colleagues were tested on how memorable it was, uh, whether they liked it, and whether they were willing to share it. Those are the three metrics. Because Just because you learn it doesn't mean that it's effective. Effective also means you blast it out 
to your colleagues and that you emotionally engage with the material. Those are the three ways that we decide it's, it's effective. Uh, the results were pretty clear. We definitely like animation. We learn better from it. And uh, we tend to share it with people that we know. And so I said, okay, well, this needs to get out there. This is really important information because we're used to using animation at school or, or, or how to make um, you know, a Pinterest page. But do we use it to learn how to go agile? Do we learn um, communication or business skills using animation? Well, no, we don't. So this was something new. It had never been done before. And so I wrote this 67-page thesis, which promptly... No I don't even think my advisor read it. I, I never read it after I launched it either. So then I launched a series of shorter articles. And I realized that nobody was reading those either because they're too long. They're too cumbersome. They're, they're too dense, too many footnotes. So as I was thinking, like, well, you know, how do I tell this story? It's such a great story. And then I thought, well, comic. We love comic books. So this book is two stories in one. It's the thesis. It's the story of this experiment. It's the background research that proves why uh, this kind of communication style works, this short form, highly visual narrative communication. And it's wrapped into the story of COVID because the experiment took place in the time of COVID. And you cannot tell the story of the experiment without the context of COVID because we were all doing it underground and in isolation and in a fully digital sphere. And the short burst of animation really found its home in this context. So it's, it's half the story told in a comic form of what happened during COVID, how this affected our society, what the human impact was, and the st smaller stories that came out of that, and interspliced with the actual uh, findings of the research. Yes, unbelievably timely uh, in these COVID times, isn't it? That you, you you were working on that, and that's exactly what we need right now. Is it aimed purely at executives, or can people gain from it in in you know in their own individual communication lives? Great question. Uh, I think on page three, there's a little page that says this book is for anyone with a story to tell. And this can be the mom explaining something to her kids. This can be me explaining something to my aged mother. This could be um, a CEO making a pitch at uh, a professional organization. This could be anyone who has a complex story to tell that needs to be translated into every man. And it includes students. Uh, there's no limit in age, in, in where you're from or what you do. It's people who have complex stories that they need to communicate broadly in a way that will be received, understood, remembered, shared, and that can really fly in a digital uh, yeah. context. And of course, these are cross-border, cross-cultural, even cross-language Absolutely. In fact, our new world, we are going to be heavily onboarding and borders are not going to be an issue anymore. We're going to be sourcing our people all over the world because we'll be looking primarily at talent and not proximity. And language, it's most likely going to be English. As an English native speaker, I, I hate this because it, it it's our lives are rich and, and fun and colorful and diverse because of language. But I feel as we are moving into our post-COVID world, English will be that language. 
Even in Asia, we all thought we'd be speaking Chinese. If a Japanese and a Chinese business person sit together, they are likely going to be speaking English. It's a very easy language. Uh, the visual communication part removes the burden of language, and this becomes much more international as a way of communicating. Now, in practical terms, what do we need to get into our toolkits to form part of this new communication sphere, if we can call it that? Right. Well, in the book, there are what I call six rocks to guide us along the way. And these are just six, I guess, tools or, or guides, um, principles, theories that make our communication better. Uh, we're not going to change the story or dumb it down. We're just going to explain it in a way that is more understandable. And these rocks include go visual, make it a big story, make it epic, make it heroic, tell a small story, a human personal story that we can connect with emotionally, cut it in half, make it short, and then cut it in half again in terms of, of number of words, uh, and make it shareable, make it um, digitally compact so that it's right for the medium. Okay, now we've mentioned all the benefits. What, what, what is the downside of it? I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be out of work as a copywriter, translator. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> But, you know, as we evolve, and we are in the middle of a rapid transformation, we're evolving as humans. I don't know what's happening to our brains right now, but we are in a moment of, of, of accelerated transformation and evolution. What's coming out the other end? I don't know. We don't know. But yes, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. A lot of people will have to retool. A lot of people will have to reimagine what they do. And... I started as a graphic designer on paper. I got out of a job. Then I became a web designer. Uh, that job went away because it was replaced by people doing it for 10 cents on the dollar. Uh, every three or four years, I've had to throw away my career and start again. And yes, I'm afraid we're all going yeah. to have to do this. Yeah. Reinvent yourself, I think, the bottom line, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, Fiona. It's, it's, I mean, your professional life has really taken off and it sounds absolutely fascinating. I think we all got to be a part of it. Otherwise, you lose out. Now we come to the more personal side. I've asked you to bring along today um, something off your desk, something off your bedside table and a photograph or illustration that you connect with in a special way. What have you brought along? Sure. Um, interestingly, I, I work for Philips now. The thing on my bedside table that arrived last night is a wake-up light. I love technology, and I'm always eager to grab uh, the latest thing. And since I joined Philips, I decided they should just go ahead and keep my paycheck because I'm buying so much from their shop. They have beautiful design, beautiful technology. So in the morning, I get woken up by a gradual light instead of, instead of a dinging alarm. And that this puts me in a calmer state of mind. On my desk, I have a lovely little series of small relics. Um, Uh, from Buddha to Shiva to Ganesh to um, beautiful uh, ancient Greek uh, carvings. And this is my, this is the, the grounded uh, ancient, ancient stories uh, that tell this epic story of, of our humanity. And so having these two things, the very, very new, very current, high tech, combined with this ancient, old, epic, the storytelling uh, geniuses of the time, Uh, those two things are really important, fundamental to our humanity. Looking forward to looking back. You talk about s storytelling. Um, 
I was thinking about that on the way here in preparation of the interview, and I was just thinking, I don't hear people tell stories that often anymore. I can remember uh, an older generation um, launching into these family stories that sometimes take half an hour and us hanging on their lips. What's happened to that world? It's gone forever? No, I think this is where we're going again. This epic story, um, the the shaman in the cave is what I call it in, in the book. Can you repeat that? The shaman in the cave, the the storyteller, the the the, bo- the bone woman, I suppose, <laughs> the one who who gets all the children in the tribe by the fire and imparts. No- that's knowledge transfer. That was how we learned to bury our dead. How we learned to hunt buffalo. How we learned which berries were going to kill us and which were going to feed us. And they were cloaked in stories and narratives. Why do you think all of these stories like from Cinderella to Pinocchio have these messages in them if it's bound to a narrative? And we're rediscovering that again in this very modern, very digital context. We're hearing the small story, uh, which is sort of the vehicle for the knowledge contained within it. And because people connect with it, we remember it. I won't remember uh, the five principles of lean work working way but I will understand that one programmer decided to go off and branch off and develop this because their boss uh, gave them too many sticky notes on their table so that's a story that's a human story I'll remember that but I won't remember all the other stuff but you're talking pictures here rather than words I'm so concerned that the the art of conversation and storytelling the oral tradition that we all grew up with Maybe lost. And you haven't managed to convince me that it won't be. And of course, we've got to look forward to these new methods. Can they ever be combined? Thank you for raising that because the voice, the human voice, is essential in our communications going forward. I think the podcast is going to make a huge comeback. It is already. That's why the animation is such a compelling uh, medium, because it combines visuals with the audio, the human voice that tells the story. We can't read and listen at the same time, but we can look at a picture and listen at the same time. And that's another reason why animation or video really works. So that human voice uh, and that oral tradition of telling the story is going to be very critical going forward. I, I do think that the long form written text, however, we will probably see that part fade. So put your pens away, scribes. Ah, the sun has just come out. You were talking about Dutch weather earlier on. Is that something that you've had to contend with? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. We can't all live in the cave, uh, in the digital cave. And, and we do crawl out of our hovels once in a while and experience nature. Of course, I, I love being outside. I love to run. And the weather is one of those things that is always a, a nail grinder. Dutch buzz. The Hague Pearl. Fiona Passantino, thank you for joining us today. As you said earlier, we're all welcome to access a free copy of the handbook. And um, I think you need to tell our listeners just how they can find it. Yes, thank you, Lily. Uh, anyone who reaches out um, is entitled to a free copy. I have Kindle, I have iBooks, and I also have PDF. I will eventually create something else, but this is designed to be read on your mobile phone uh, in 
a couple of days time. It's not meant to take forever. So if you want the short version, the long version, I'm, I'm happy to help with that. You go to postcovidhandbook.com. Also, every month I will be writing just short little articles. And if you sign up for the, that newsletter, then you get those straight into your inbox. Little kind of nuggets and little pearls, I suppose, uh, to help us along our way. That was the Hague-based visual communication specialist Fiona Passantino. For Dutch Buzz, I'm Lilian Strobach. Dutch Buzz is where you meet the Hague's movers and shakers. 100% Haas, Den Haag.